Well, today I want to talk to you about the gospel, specifically the gospel that we find in the book of Romans. Paul, when he's writing to the Romans, writes this in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. So we see here that the gospel is the power of God for salvation, and we access the gospel by believing. And then he says, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. That's Romans 1.17. Paul also says in Romans 16, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. So what I want us to see here and understand is that what Paul is talking about when he says the gospel, he's not talking about the person of Jesus specifically. He's talking about the work of Jesus, what Jesus has done for us on the cross to secure our righteous standing before God, that we're not under law, but we're under grace. And it's by grace through faith that we experience salvation. So many people, when they see Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, think, well, it's talking about Jesus. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. He's talking about the good news of the grace of God that saves us here, that salvation is by grace through faith and not by the law of Moses. And that's the gospel that he's going to talk about in the book of Romans, that we're saved through faith in Christ. And he equates salvation with being righteous before God or justified before God, just as if I've never sinned, where God sees us as completely forgiven and completely righteous. So Paul says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, verse 17, for in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So Paul summarizes the gospel in verses 16 and 17 of Romans chapter 1. And the gospel is that through faith in Jesus, we become righteous before God, innocent before God, not guilty before God. So after Paul talks in Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17 about the gospel that we receive by faith and then we become righteous before God, he goes into verse 18 where he says the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by the wickedness. And Paul begins in Romans chapter 1. He talks about the wrath of God coming upon all sin and all sinners. And in Romans chapter 1, he specifically addresses the Gentiles. That the wrath of God is coming upon the Gentiles and he describes the immorality of the Gentiles. Well, then in Romans 2, he begins to talk about the sinfulness of the Jews. Now, the Jews in Romans 2 would have been agreeing with Paul as he wrote Romans 1 that the Gentiles are sinners and very immoral. The mistake the Jewish people made, and specifically the Jewish leaders, is they compared themselves to the Gentiles and they thought that they were more moral than the Gentiles, that the Gentiles were sinners and they were going to undergo the wrath and the judgment of God, and they would escape the judgment because they obeyed the Ten Commandments, or so they thought they obeyed the Ten Commandments. 
So the Jews of Romans 2 would have been saying, go get them, Paul. Let those Gentiles have it. Tell them how sinful they are and the wrath of God is going to come upon them. Well, what Paul does in Romans 2 is he says to the Jews, he says, you're no different than the Gentiles. The Gentiles are sinners and so are you. He said, you have the law. The Jews have the law. But you don't obey the law. He said, those who are righteous before God are those who obey the law but you don't obey the law. And he talks about anybody who stands in judgment upon another person's sins, they themselves are judging themselves because in reality, we're all sinners. He talks about that at the beginning of Romans 2. And so what Paul says in Romans 2 is that the Gentiles have the law written on their hearts. Gentiles know that's any non-Jewish person you know, we know that lying's lying and stealing is stealing and adultery is adultery. We, we know we have a general sense of what's right and what's wrong, what's moral and immoral. And the Jews had the law written on stone. The Ten Commandments were written on stone. And so Paul is building a case that the entire human race needs the grace of God for salvation. And what Paul does in Romans 3 is he says this, starting with verse 9. What shall we conclude then? Are we, the Jews, any better than the Gentiles? And Paul says this, not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles are alike under sin. We're all alike under sin. And then he says, as it is written, starts in verse 10 of Romans chapter 3. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Now, in Romans chapter 2, Paul talks about that those who do good will be the ones who experience eternal life. Verse 10, but glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. That's Romans 2.10. For God does not show favoritism. But then Paul says, well, there's no one who does good. So he's building the case that, yes, those who do good will experience salvation. Those who obey the law will experience salvation. But then he says, none are good. None have obeyed the law. And that's why he says, whether you're Jew or Gentile, in verse 10 of Romans chapter 3, there's no one righteous. There's no one who is righteous before God internally or externally. We've all disobeyed the law of God, whether it's in our head, with our thoughts, in our hearts, with our desires, or with our hands and our deeds. We've all broken the law of God. There are none who are righteous. Not even one, Paul says in verse 10. Verse 11, there's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. That's verse 11. Verse 12, all have turned away and together have become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Verse 13, their throats are open graves and their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. Verse 17, the way of peace they do not know. And there is no fear of God before their eyes or no respect for God before their eyes. And that's Paul's condemnation of the entire human race. It's found in Romans chapter 3 verses 9 through 18 communicating or building the case that 
we all need the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter who we are, we need the cross of Jesus. We need the blood of Jesus for salvation. Paul goes into Romans chapter 3, and again, we're talking about the gospel, the gospel that brings salvation by believing, the gospel that makes us righteous before God, puts us in right standing before God so that we escape the wrath to come. The only way to escape the coming wrath is to be righteous. That's what the book of Proverbs says and the book of Psalms say. The only way we can escape judgment is to be righteous because judgment and wrath are coming upon the ungodly. Judgment and wrath are coming upon the wicked. Paul is making the case that all are ungodly, all are wicked, all are sinners. Judgment is coming upon the sinner. Psalm chapter 1 talks about judgment coming upon the sinner, but not upon the righteous. Now, what is the wrath of God? The wrath of God is when he removes all sin and sinners from the earth. God's creating a new earth where there's no more hurt, there's no more pain, there's no more sorrow, there's no more death, there's no more mourning. And he's going to remove, which is what his wrath is, he's going to remove all sin and all sinners, everything that causes pain and hurt and heartache and tears and mourning from the earth. But we find out in Romans 5, 8 that God loves sinners. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. He took the wrath upon himself. He took the judgment upon himself for our sins because it's the heart of God for everyone to live on the new earth where there's no more hurt, there's no more pain, there's no more sorrow, there's no more death, there's no more mourning. And through faith in Jesus... We can receive forgiveness and we can become righteous before God so that we can live forever on the new earth with God. And so Paul's building the case here that all are sinners and none are righteous. All are under the coming wrath of God, the coming judgment of God. And some would say, well, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm not as bad as the other person. Well, we're comparing ourselves to to other people. That's what the Pharisees did. They compared themselves to the tax collectors. They compared themselves to the prostitute. And by comparing themselves, they were saying, I'm much more moral than the prostitute. I'm much more moral than the tax collector. The judgment of God and the wrath of God is coming upon the prostitute. The judgment of God and the wrath of God is coming upon the tax collectors. But we Pharisees, we teachers of the law who pride ourselves in obeying the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, we're going to escape judgment because we're obedient to the law. Paul's addressing that mindset in Romans chapter 3, verse 19. He says this, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. Now the entire human race is under the law. Romans chapter 2 says, The Gentiles have the law written on their hearts, and Romans chapter 2 says that the Jews have the law written on stone. Both are under the law. And that's why in verse 19, Paul says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God, whether Jew or Gentile. What do we say to a God who's seen everything that we've ever done, our deeds, who's seen the desires of our hearts, and who has seen what we dwell on in our minds. He's seen what we dwell on in our minds, what we desire in our heart, and what we've done with our hands. And what do we say to a God who knows everything about us? 
Jesus said about the law. He said, if you've ever had lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. He said, if you've ever had anger in your heart toward another person, you've committed murder. And that was just proof that the Ten Commandments were convicting. The law can't save anyone. It brings everyone to condemnation. But God, through Jesus, has brought salvation to everyone who believes. So the law is a ministry of condemnation, whereas grace is a ministry of salvation. And that's the point Paul makes in Romans chapter 3, verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Verse 20, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious or we become aware that we're sinners. And that's what Paul personifies in Romans chapter 7, 14 through 24. There's a man who's seeking to be righteous before God through obedience to the law, specifically commandment number 10, thou shalt not covet. And the more he tried not to covet, not to be jealous and not to be envious and not to desire something else that someone had, the more he tried not to covet, the more he coveted. And so what the law was doing was exposing the sinfulness of this man to bring him to a place of salvation through faith in Jesus. See, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, that sin is increased by the law. The law increases sin, Romans 5, 20. So that in Romans 5, 21, we can be saved by the grace that's in the Lord Jesus Christ and we can have eternal life. We can escape the wrath and the judgment to come by embracing the grace that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the law brings everyone to a point of condemnation and grace brings salvation. Paul goes on to say in Romans 3 verse 21, But now a righteousness from God apart from the law. The law is a standard of morality. The law is about religious activity. So Paul's saying there's a way to be right with God that has nothing to do with morality and has nothing to do with religious activity. But now righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God that comes apart from the law comes apart from religious activity and apart from morality, this righteousness from God. Now, again, we're talking about the gospel. Remember in Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17, the gospel is righteousness that comes by faith. And Paul's explaining that the entire human race needs the righteousness that is from God because we can't be righteous. We have sin in our hearts. We have sin in our minds. We have sin in our desires and in our deeds. There's no way we can be righteous before God. The only way we can be righteous before God is through faith in Jesus. And that's what Paul says in Romans 3.22. The righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, who are trusting in what Jesus has done for them on the cross, rather than trying to be righteous before God through morality and religious activity, which is what the Pharisees did, true righteousness comes by faith in Jesus, trusting in Jesus, which is what the prostitutes and the tax collectors did. They believed, they trusted in Jesus. Paul goes on to say, there is no difference, he's explaining between the Jews and the Gentiles, there's no difference for all, whether Jew or Gentile, 
for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, fall short of his perfection, the righteousness needed to enter into the kingdom of God, escaping the wrath to come. Everybody falls short of that righteousness. But God's provided a way to be righteous before him through faith in Jesus. We receive righteousness. Paul writes, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then he says in verse 24, and are justified, made innocent before God, declared to be righteous before God, and are justified freely. It cost us nothing. It's free. It cost Jesus his life, but it cost us nothing. It's free. And by believing in what Christ has done for us on the cross through his shed blood, we become righteous before God, not guilty before God, innocent. That he sees you and I as if we've never had a sinful thought, a sinful desire, or committed a sinful deed. He sees us as completely righteous before him. Says through faith, by believing, we are justified freely by his grace. What he's done for us on the cross, what he's freely done by his grace through the redemption, that's the full payment for our sins, that came by Christ Jesus, that came through the blood of Jesus, verse 25. So on the cross, the blood of Jesus was shed for our sinfulness so that we could receive his righteousness. And that's the gospel. The gospel that Paul's talking about in Romans is the good news that Jesus has taken our sinfulness upon himself at the cross and he freely offers us his righteousness as a gift. In Romans chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, talks about that God offers us the gift of righteousness. And we receive this gift by faith. Paul is making the case in Romans that the law, religious activity and morality, obedience to the commandments of God, cannot make anybody righteous before God. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves righteous before God, innocent before God, not guilty before God, sinless before God. There's nothing we can do. And so he's building the case that as believers, we don't relate to God through the law. We relate to God through grace. We don't relate to God through the law of Moses. We relate to God through the cross of Jesus. It's not about following the law of Moses. It's about faith in the person and the work of Jesus. That's how we're righteous before God. That's how we're not guilty before God. It's faith in what Jesus has done for us. And so what Paul does in Romans chapter 4, he's seeking to provide the evidence that righteousness before God comes simply by believing. And he uses Abraham as an example, that Abraham was declared righteous when he believed God, when he trusted in God. And there he's talking about Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. When Abraham believed, it was credited to him as righteousness. And Paul's explaining and providing evidence in Romans chapter 4 that we're righteous before God simply by believing in what Christ has done for us apart from any works. Paul says if we're made righteous before God by works, then we have something to boast about. Then God is obligated to give us something. But then at the beginning of chapter 4, he says, it's not by works that God justifies the ungodly, which is the entire human race. God justifies the ungodly through faith in the person and the work of Jesus. And in chapter 5 of Romans, 
verses 1 and 2, Paul writes this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, it's a permanent justification that we have. When we place our faith in Christ, we're permanently righteous before God. We're permanently innocent before God. We're not under the wrath of God. We're not under the judgment of God. We're under the grace of God. Paul says in Romans 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified, declared righteous, declared not guilty by God, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God, Paul's referring to in Romans 5, is we're no longer under the judgment of God. We're not under the wrath of God. That we're now under the grace of God. We're forgiven completely. We're totally righteous. We're totally innocent before God. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Romans 5 verse 2 says this, Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. See, if you've come to faith in Christ, you stand in grace. And what does it mean that you stand in grace? Well, to stand in grace means I'm standing before God based upon everything that Jesus has done for me at the cross that I'm standing in the work of Christ. I'm standing in the truth that Jesus has paid my sin penalty in full. I'm standing in the truth that all of my sins have been forgiven through faith in Christ. I receive forgiveness. Jesus talks about that with Paul in Acts 26, verses 17 and 18, that through faith in Jesus, we receive forgiveness. And we're sanctified or we're made holy before God. Acts 26, 17, and 18. We stand in grace. We stand in the truth that we are forgiven. We stand in the truth that we are righteous. We stand in the truth that we're under no condemnation. That though the law brings condemnation, we're not under the condemnation of the law because we're not under law, we're under grace. We're under the salvation of what Jesus has done for us at the cross. And through faith, we receive this salvation. Paul calls this grace. And this is the gospel. The gospel is grace. The gospel is everything that God has done for us in Christ. The gospel is the blood of Christ that purifies from all sin, that cleanses all sin, that's paid the sin penalty for all sin and for all people. But the only way we access the gospel, the only way we experience the gospel is to place our faith in the person and in the work of what Jesus has done on the cross. And when we do, Paul says, we stand in grace. We stand in grace, meaning that you and I relate to God every single day of our lives based upon what Jesus has done for us at the cross, based upon the blood of Christ poured out for us on the cross. And this is the gospel that Paul was not ashamed of. It's the gospel that brings righteousness to us, that provides righteousness for us, that offers righteousness to us. And the way we receive this righteousness, the way this righteousness becomes ours, is by faith in Jesus Christ, by believing. And so, if there's anyone listening today who's never come to faith in Jesus, you've never trusted in Jesus, maybe you've been trusting in your morality, Maybe you've been trusting in your religious activity, but your, your morality and your religious activity can't make you right with God. The blood of Jesus makes you right with God. 
So today I would encourage you to trust in Jesus. Or maybe there's someone today who you think because your sins are so many and so messy, you can never be in a right relationship with God. But the truth is, Jesus took all your sins upon himself at the cross. And through faith in Jesus, he will declare you to be righteous just as if you've never sinned. And you will stand in grace the rest of your life because you've come to faith in Jesus. Well, I hope this brings some clarity about what the gospel is and what Paul means by the gospel in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, when he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation for those who believe that we're made righteous before God. We're declared righteous by God the moment we place our faith in Jesus. Hey, I want to thank you for listening to this teaching today. If you enjoy these teachings, you may also enjoy the resources on my website, gracereach.org, and you may also enjoy my books, which are available on Amazon. I also have a YouTube channel and a Facebook page, and you can find the links to all my resources and the details of this podcast teaching. If you'd like to support my ministry in reaching more and more people with the good news of God's grace and teaching more and more people about His grace, Click the Donate button on the Grace Reach website, again, which is gracereach.org. Hey, thank you guys so much for listening to this teaching today. I pray that through these teachings, you are understanding the Bible more fully and you're understanding God's grace more clearly. Have a great day.